0: Ephesians chapter 1, we are looking at the second sentence of the chapter. The second sentence goes from verse 3 through verse 14, 202 words. The Apostle Paul sets the stage in verses 1 and 2, and then starts looking at a section that I call the Trinity's plan, and he shows us what the plan is in the past, what it is in the present, and what it is going to be in the future. We are focusing today on the meaning of redemption in verse 6b through 10. 6b through 10. Which He freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. In Him we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, which He has made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intentions, which He purposed in Him with the view to the administration suitable for the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things... On the earth in Him. Father, help us to try to grasp the depth of what this is. Father, help us as we have looked into what the Trinity was doing before creation and how we today gather our evidence of the fruition of that plan. Father, help us. Help us to grasp the meaning of redemption. That we may understand that there is never, never, ever room for complaining. There is never room for not being thankful. And there is never room for not praising the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Help us to drink deeply upon this. That we may understand and rejoice that in eternity past, you instilled in us your plan. To you, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen. I shared with you that what we've been doing since we've stepped into this is we have been looking at what God did in the past, the Godhead, We, today, gathered together, are looking at what God is doing in the presence. Right now, what is He doing? But we also have a view, and next week we'll begin that adventure, into what is the future. And it's it's amazing in this day and age of speculation, worry, concerns, heartache, trauma, and things that just run us ragged, how quickly we can forget that God planned this. You are living proof of the plan. And now my hope goes forward. My hope goes forward. We have seen the aspects of blessings. We have seen the aspects of the body and how it came about. And today we will see and conclude the aspects of redemption, of redemption. We have been looking at redemption, and it, the Greek word means to buy out of a slave block for its freedom." That's what the word means. You and I, at one point in our lives, were slaves to sin. Sin was our master. It controlled us. It controlled our thoughts. It controlled our passions. It controlled our view of everything that we dealt with. But we have seen that there is a Redeemer in verse 6 as God. He freely bestowed on us in His grace and His beloved. We see in the Redeemed, chapter 2. That was us. Us who was in the darkness, us who were being mastered by sin at every aspect and every fiber of our being. We still do. You think about it. How easily does sin just poke you? And you know what? It, we, we look at that and we think, well, I just got poked by sin. Let me tell you something about sin. If you get poked by it, Paul told young Timothy, what? Flee. Because that means it's there. We see that we have an adversary who is like a roaring lion. And everybody says, see, he's like a roaring lion. Let me tell you something about a roaring lion. When a lion is hunting, it is not roaring. A lion roars when it has its captive. And we are in a day and age that captives are easy. Because so many have forgotten what we have. We saw the price in 7a, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Jesus Christ paid our penalty. Last two weeks, we looked at the results. We have forgiveness. Our sins have been forgiven from the foundations of the world as far as the east is from the west. All right. But not only did He forgive us our sins, He lavished, is the New American Standard translation. He took the proverbial God-blessing dump truck and dumped it on you. What did He dump on you? Wisdom and insight. Two words in the original language. Wisdom is the eternal things. I can look to the eternal things. See... Anybody here ever done something and never really thought about the consequences? Anybody ever done that? Am I the only one who's ever done that? Okay. But I I share that with you because on the eternal side, he has shown you and I, this is the consequences. But he also gives us the New American Standard calls it insight. That is, how do I get through the day-to-day walking of this place in light of the eternal wisdom that he has given me? How do I do that? Well, you know, first thing you really probably ought to try is read the Bible. It's an interesting concept in this day and age, but you should try it. Because that is an insight into the mind of God we always think that we're dealing with something that no one else has ever dealt with. Well, you're a fool. And that makes you a tad bit arrogant. Because anything that you've ever dealt with has been dealt with by every man, woman, and child that's ever walked the planet. Now then, I want to conclude this in verses 9b through 10. Why did he do this? The redemptive reason. Why did he do this? Why did he redeem us? Why did he have to use his son as a redeemer? Why was it such a terrible price? And why did these results, were they lavished upon us exceedingly abundantly? Why did he do it? What was the intention of this redemption? What was the purpose of this redemption? Well, in verse nine, he made known to us the mystery. Okay. What is the mystery? The body of Christ, the church, the church. We call it the church, the ecclesias, the called out ones. That's the mystery. That was a thing that the Jews never ever saw. If you go look at the 70 weeks of Daniel between 69 and 70 is a gap that nobody saw. That's the church age. You and I exist in the church age right now. That mystery of His will was presented to us. His body. His will. His kind intentions. I like it because it was his good pleasure. It was his desires. Okay. None of us would have said, well, why don't we start something and call it a church? No, we didn't do that. It was his desires. It was not our wishes are contemplating that we came up with the incarnation of Christ in his body in this day and age. But then it comes back to this simple question. Why? Why did he do this? Why this incredible revelation given to fallen man? And you ever notice something? Something. I was thinking about this during the Sunday school hour. How easily we jettison that for a temporal pleasure or a temporal worry. Try this one. I know no one else struggles with this. A temporal anger. We just jettison it. But why were you redeemed? Why were you redeemed? Why this incredible revelation given to us? Why did he give redemption to such frail beings? It's easy. According to his kind intentions, which he purposed in him. I like that. In order. He purposed in him. In the original language, if you look at the syntax of this, it is a purpose clause. Remember something. We're still in one sentence. Now all of a sudden we come cruising through this sentence and now we have a purpose clause. He purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable To the fullness, fullness. Now, that is stunning. Because it is the fullness of what? The fullness of what? What does it say? The fullness of time. Okay, now when God speaks of the fullness of time, do you realize what he just covered? I mean, that is now. That is 2,000 years ago at Calvary. That is the millennial kingdom. And that is the new heaven and the new earth. That is the fullness of time. The fullness of time. When, and I, I mean, you literally could say it this way. Now, this is the way I would write it, but that's why I don't write scripture. When time is filled up. When time is filled up. When the temporal is done. When the end comes. When the new heaven and the new earth. That is the fullness of time. Paul uses a very simple statement here. Remember, it's coming off of a purpose clause. Suitable in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. When time is filled up. What happens when time is filled up? The summing of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and in the earth. Did you get that? I do not know how we can have anger. I do not how, know how we can... Lack gratitude. I, I do not even know how we can complain when I understand that God before the foundations of the world said that when time is filled up, I will gather it all together to me. What would that be? All of it. God is redeeming then he, that he might gather everything to himself. He is holy, right? He cannot look upon sin. So for him to gather it all together, guess what? He has to deal with sin. He did that through redemption. I can't get my head around that. Remember, this was a plan before the foundations of the world. The Godhead came together and says, this is what we will do. Why? So in the conclusion of time, I will gather it all unto me. What would all be? All of it. Every bit of it. That is the day that Paul speak of, spoke of to the Philippians. When every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, you know what? Every knee and every tongue. Every knee and every tongue. I was reading Albert Barnes years ago in his commentaries on the book of Romans. And he was talking about the doctrine of sin. And he was dealing with it from the perspective that it is all for the glory of God, not sin. But dealing with sin is all to the glory of God. And he says, whether he redeems you or he condemns you, either one, God is glorified. So, you know, I, I remember when I was teaching through Matthew and it was talking about hell and the gnashing of teeth. You know, in my original reading of that was, that means there's no dentists in hell because don't dentists make you gnash your teeth? And as you go back to the original text, you start realizing, no, you know what that means? There are people who end up in hell who are mad at God for sending them to hell. They're complaining. That's gnashing of teeth. Okay. But yet God is still Glorified whether on earth, in heaven, or under the earth. Okay, so now he's starting to, let me make sure that you get it figured out. I don't want you to try to find your loophole here. All things, whether on earth, in heaven, or under the earth. Christ is going to gather the universe into absolute unity. I remember hearing a professor one time. (laughs) He's a character. Uh, deep southern, I I mean, deep southern accent. I mean, we're talking, yo, dude, (laughs) you're just borderline out there, ain't you? And he made a comment, which I had to challenge him on, that in heaven, we're all going to be 33-year-old males because we are going to be conformed into the image of Christ. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Okay, I thought we were as different as the stars in the heaven. What? Yeah, that's, that's the way I read it. You know what is amazing to me about that? Is that you can take the uniqueness of every man, woman, and child. I mean, you can be twins and you're not the same. And you're going to take the uniqueness of every living creature. Every living creature. And you're going to put them all in one place Absolutely unified. That's amazing to me. That is absolutely amazing to me. Listen. Now, I don't know if I really need to prove this. But in case you were wondering, if you look at the universe right now, it's a little bit divided. Would you say? Right now. And I mean, I can do it in my simplicity and say, well, the the divisions that exist right now is truth versus a lie. I mean, that's that's the essence of what you battle. I don't I don't have to prove that, do I? I mean, do I do I need to illustrate that in any way? I mean, when I think about it. As long as I have been alive, wars have raged. As long as I have been alive, anger has raged. As long as I've been alive, lies have raged. As long as I've been alive, this place is disunified. I don't care where you look. there, There is no place that you can look and say, well, this is absolute unity. There ain't no such thing. And what is amazing is whether it is visible or invisible, it's still disunified. I mean, look around. That's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And it and you can take, you know, because I remember uh, years ago I was going through and doing some writing and I was trying to figure out where the denominations come from? Who thunked that up? So I got a hold of some really smart people and said, hey, where did this stuff come from? And they all said the same thing to me. Several really smart guys. Man. It's man. And what is it based on? Disunity. It is always based on. I even watched a group says, we don't want to be identified with anybody. So we'll start our own denomination. Well now you're disunified. We're independent. What the heck does that mean? And now we've come complete circle. We've come back and says, "But well, we're a Bible church. What would the other one be?" Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Because that man all of a sudden comes up this big conclusion that says this this is how it's done. Period. And if you don't do it my way, there's the door. They call that disunity. And yet I read this in the fullness of times. The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven, things in the earth. In him. In him. God will call all things into one. Can you imagine that? That is an incredible thought. Think about it. Just look around right here. Absolute unity. Absolute unity. All things redeemed. That's when the lion will lay with the lamb. That is when the child will play with the cobra. It's absolute unity. Paul writing to the Romans says, all of creation groans for the redemption of the sons of God. Did you get hail this week? I seen a thing on the news where they had uh, snow plows out moving around in Commerce City. And I said, God bless you people. It's a slow irrigation process that you're in. Okay? That won't be there anymore. There won't be no hell. There won't be no snowstorms. There won't be no tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, forest fires. All of that will be gone. Why? That is part of the disunity that exists on this planet. And Paul told the Romans that all of creation groans, groans for the redemption of the sons of God. Listen, brothers and sisters, I hate to break the news to you. That's why you were redeemed. To bring you into oneness. It's one of the tragedies that I see in the body of Christ today is that we've managed to get our uh, personal pronouns in front of our king. What is the church doing for me? I got news for you. It's already done. Now you may feel like you were left out. But I would have to tell you to get online and listen to a couple of messages ago. And you'll find out. There are no second class Christians. We are one in Christ. The issue isn't you or me. The issue is. Christ why did he redeem us now grab a hold of this he redeemed you today to make you and I part of the final goal of history now think about that for a second You and I who are redeemed. You and I who are truly saved. You and I who are truly Christians. Are part of the final goal of history. Right now. Right now. Because he says here. That he is going to bring the summing of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth in him. It's all coming. It's all coming. All the rebellion will be removed from his presence. All of it. All of it. the fact that animals are afraid of us, that's going to be removed. The fact that some of us are afraid of Animals. That'll be removed. It's all gone. Can you grasp that? That's shocking to me. The reason that you and I were saved, the reason that humanity was saved through the course of existence is so that you and I will be gathered together and all of those who went before us will be gathered together in absolute unity in the person of Jesus Christ. And you only have to put up with that unity for eternity. That's all. That's all. That's shocking to me. Listen, that's God's very clear and very wonderful purpose for redeeming us. That is the result, the reason for Redemption. You and I are one block, one step closer to the completion of history. It will all be done. It will all be done. And you're going to be hanging out with some people. You're going to be hanging out with some people who can't believe you're there. (laughs) You're going to be hanging out with some people that you can't believe are there. But there will be absolute unity when you get there. All comes together in the millennial kingdom is the first picture of it. Why? Satan is put in chains. Sin is dealt with in the seven years of tribulation. That is the start of it. That's seven years. Again, it is God showing us a type of what is coming. Because you understand that that millennial kingdom... Do you will have mortals in it? But see if you get rid of if you get rid of sin, how long can a person live? A long time. Because that will lead us all into the new heaven and the new earth. All things one in Jesus Christ. Question Are you redeemed? Are you his? Second question. Are you thankful? Well, I sure hope so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, you've given us the conclusion of the meaning of redemption. Father, when I think about the Apostle Paul by the will of God to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus, that we may have grace and peace from God the Father. Lord, I am overwhelmed. Father, I ask you, if there's anybody here today who isn't, who does not understand redemption, who does not know the Redeemer, who does not know the price, who does not know the results then, Father, I do know they don't have no idea what the reason is. Lord, I ask you now that these people all unequivocally understand redemption. But, Father, I also hope that they understand the reason of their redemption. Father, burn it into our souls that we are not our own. We've been bought and paid for with a price. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, may our love for you grow with every breath you grace us. May our faith be strengthened with every step you give us. And Father, may the glory of the triune plan in eternity past be fleshed out in each and every one of us. To you, my King, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen.